Owing to the COVID-19 pandemic, we've all found ourselves in a state of lockdown for almost 10 months now. We're certainly not the same people that we were at this very time last year. Whether it's for worse or for better, all of our lifestyles have changed in one way or another. During this lockdown, many of us have seen the opportunity to finally take up that hobby that we've always dreamed of. Whether it's been to perfect that sourdough bread recipe, or perhaps to learn how to use the DSLR camera in manual mode, we've set our minds to be more productive as ever. As if all of our New Year's resolutions have come due at once. But what if during this phase of self-discovery, you've come across a hidden talent that you could potentially monetize by turning it into a creative business for yourself? If you decided to do that, there would certainly be a lot to consider, like understanding your market, building your business model, marketing and advertising and planning to get customers. A lot of the marketing and advertising for a small business would commonly be done through social media channels. And today in Kim's Kitchen, we're going to specifically talk about how you might protect your intellectual property as you use social media to advertise and publicize your unique ideas. The term intellectual property refers to any creation of the mind or imagination, such as a literary, artistic, or scientific work. It could be a design, a logo, or a piece of music. It could be a symbol or an image or a photograph. To help us better understand this subject, I'm joined today by intellectual property lawyer Andrew, who has focused his career on the acquisition and protection of trademarks and copyrights, as well as advertising and marketing. Okay, welcome, Andrew. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Kim. Um, it's a pleasure to be in the kitchen with you. Um, I've always been told I have a face made for radio, and I'm happy to put that to the test. <laughs> You're Thanks. very humble. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. I'm really excited about this topic because I think that, um, I mean, I certainly will learn a lot, and um, I think it's really, really timely right now, given that, you know, more and more people that I interact with have um, decided to branch out a little bit particularly during lockdown when we've um we've all sort of discovered uh, new interests and new things and in some cases have been forced to do things differently in our um, personal and professional lives so uh, we're going to talk today a little bit about um if you either are starting a business that has come up from uh, a hobby that you've taken up or any small business in general um we're going to use photography as the um as the subject for this, because um, that's one that we can we can kind of get into a little bit um, uh, in our discussion around the use of social media to potentially forward your uh, your business endeavors. So thank you very much again for for joining, Andrew. Yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Uh, thanks for the lovely introduction. Just for the benefit of your listeners, I'll give a sort of a little bit more about myself. Um, as you said, I'm an intellectual property lawyer, and I focus now in my career on sort of soft IP. So trademarks, copyright, advertising, marketing, that kind of thing. Uh, and part of my professional life is working as an IP lawyer for a pretty large multinational company. Um, and you know, my role at the company is to support the company's goals in acquiring IP and protecting them, but also making sure that we protect the rights of others. Um, and you know, so you know, you might think, well, what's a lawyer? What does Laura care about photography? Well, I'm actually a photographer myself. Um, I graduated with an engineering degree, but I've always been fascinated by creative pursuits. You know, I started by writing poetry when I was younger. Um, not necessarily the best stuff, but I liked it. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and then I sort of slowly transitioned to writing short stories. I published a novel earlier this year, picked up photography sort of in the middle of law school as a way to decompress. Um, and I it turned out to be sort of like the best thing I ever could have done for myself. Um, I started off entirely as a hobbyist and I quickly transitioned into sort of community organizing. Um, I was a community manager of a local photography group in Ottawa. Um, I started working with local organizations as an influencer and then I transitioned to becoming sort of a full-fledged freelance portrait, uh, freelance portrait and event uh, photographer. Um, I've sort of stepped back a bit from that, but those, those are still things that I do sort of once in a while. And so, you know, this discussion isn't going to be an academic, it's going to be one that's sort of going to have my personal sort of stories to tell. Um, it's going to be a, a discussion that I feel very strongly about as a creative person who also works very hard to protect the rights of others. You know, it's important for me to want to protect my rights. I'm hoping that your, your listeners will sort of take something from that about the value of, of protecting your, your work, especially if you actually sort of monetize uh, your work. So clearly, I mean, the, the link for you is um, a very linear one. So you've got the, the professional, but also the, uh, the, the hobbyist side here that, um, that's going to, I think, give us some really interesting insights. At the moment, there's all sorts of um, different ways that photographers have started to adapt their businesses, because obviously in COVID and during a pandemic, the typical sort of large events and weddings and things like that, those aren't happening so much anymore. In this environment, there is so much, so many different outlets for photographers, such as uh, real estate photography, drone photography. If you have a bake shop or a restaurant, food photography is, is really quite big. And so there's lots and lots of different branches um, that you can get into if you choose to monetize your um, your talents. And so if you were to do that, we're, we're just going to um, kind of use that example and maybe get into uh, the use of social media because it's sort of a natural step to take um, to if you want to get your business out there or if you want to get your, um, your skills out there, you can use social media very easily to project your work, to advertise um, your images and to try and get as much reach as possible. Once you've posted a photo, um, on Instagram say, what are your rights to that photo? Where does it go from there? And how can you protect that as your own intellectual property? That's a really great question, uh, Kim. And I think like it's, I'll start by saying, you know, all of uh, this discussion is gonna be pretty general. Um, and it's gonna be sort of more informational and everybody's individual sort of situations will vary because, um, you know, who owns what, who has what rights, what will really depend on each individual sort of uh, person's uh, situation. But as a general matter, really, um, the answers are gonna be, or actually relatively simple. Um, and so I'll, I'll start by sort of giving a bit of a brief overview on what copyright is. And like, so like the, 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 first, the first thing um, that I'll say is that there are a lot of overlapping rights that can exist in any content as opposed to social media. So, you know, your personal brand, for example, if you have a really sort of beautiful logo that you've, you've, you've designed that goes on, on all your pictures or is on your profile, you know, that can be protected by trademarks. Um, almost all of your content can be protected by copyright. Um, and, and so that's, that's sort of the key, the key right. And, and the, you know, the simple answer is often, you know, often the easiest answer, the simplest answers are the, are the right ones, which is if you take a picture, you know, it, it's, it's for the most part, it's yours. Um, and so, you know, you take a step back and you think, well, what does copyright mean? And it's actually kind of almost in the word itself. Copyright literally means the rights to copy a work. So generally, um, only the author or 
the, of somebody who has permission from the author actually has the right to copy or reproduce that work. Um, it's simply it's a simplistic explanation because it can be nuanced, um, but you know it mostly works for our purposes. You know, if, if I take a picture, that picture is mine. Um, and Canada and a few other countries have also what's called uh, moral rights, which are, you know, uh, they're a, a basket of rights that are additional to copyright. So they include the right to be attributed. So, you know, the right essentially to be given credit. So if somebody, if somebody takes your picture, reproduces it, and then omits that you were the author, they've committed actually two infringements. One is they've reproduced your work without your consent. The second is they've reproduced your work without your consent without telling, without attributing that to you. Um, it seems strange, but yeah, those are two separate offenses. Um, and there's a second right, uh, moral right, which is the right to not have the work unduly altered in a way that would prejudice you. So if you, for example, have a picture on Instagram that has a very beautiful watermark that's known to be associated with you, somebody reproduces that picture, crops out that watermark, they've actually essentially committed two separate infringements. Um, and so, you know, like it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's it seems simplistic, but you know, the answer is, 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 is actually so simple, which is you, know, you take a picture in Canada, the US and most other major jurisdictions, you know, the minute you actually sort of create a work, your rights in that work materialize. So you don't have to have done anything special. You know, I, go to a really, I go to a place, I take a picture of a beautiful sunset, the copyright in that work exists the minute I take that picture. So the minute I take that picture and I look at, look at it on my, on, my, on my DSLR or my phone, or by film camera or anything, the minute it's captured in that fixed tangible form, I have copyright in that. Um, I don't need to take a picture. I don't need to register it. I don't need to do anything of that sort um, for that right to exist. So then I go home, I edit that picture on my, on my on in Lightroom or in Photoshop. That's a separate copyright now in that edited work. And then I export that to my computer, I you know put some nice tweaks to it. I maybe I brighten a little bit up a little bit in Instagram, and I upload to Instagram. My copyright the copyright exists the minute I post that to Instagram. Um, and so you know that's that's really that's really the answer. And so then the owner of that copyright is the person who created it, unless they created it as part of like their employment. So if I work for a company and I create a, a very beautiful, beautiful picture, the company might own the picture. But for the most part. You know, most of us are posting on Instagram either, especially business owners, either sort of as individuals or as sort of like the sole face of the business. So if you're a wedding photographer or a real estate photographer, or if you're doing, if you're running your sort of your bakery and you're taking pictures on behalf of, you know, on behalf of the bakery account, those still belong to you. And so the next question then is, well, okay, what happens, you know, who, who has permission to use those pictures? Yes, it belongs to Andrew, but who can use them? And the answer is nobody can use it unless they get permission from me. Um, and like I said, this, this, these are all simplistic answers and there's nuances and there's things we'll get into as part of the discussion and maybe some things we won't because they're a little bit too complex, but that's, that's the basic answer is that I own it. If you wanna use it, if you wanna reproduce it, if you wanna repost it, if you want to, you know, crop it, if you wanna do anything with it, you need to get my permission first. Um, if you don't have that permission, what you might've done is, could be committing copyright infringement. Um, and if somebody then takes, you know, if you repost it on your website or you sort of repost it on your Instagram page and then somebody sees that and says, oh, I really like it. I'll take a picture of it too and repost it on my account. Theoretically, they could also have committed copyright infringement. Uh, and so, you know, that's copyright in a nutshell.
But then, you know, as, as, you know, as, as you alluded to, it gets complicated by social media. Um, and it's not unique to Instagram. So we're, we're going to discuss Instagram as, as the main sort of, um, I don't want to use the word culprit, but we're going to discuss Instagram as the main sort of <laughs> platform. But this really applies to a bunch of other social, um, you know, sharing, photo sharing platforms. So Visco, Flickr, and a, and, and a bunch of others, right? Um, they each have what are called terms of use. So, you know, it's like the end user license agreement. So I download a piece of software, you know, there's a really long sort of uh, uh, list of terms and conditions that come with it. I don't read it. I click accept. I start using the, 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 um, the software. The same thing happens really with social media. So very few of us have actually read Instagram's terms of use. Um, but those terms of use can in some ways attenuate or sort of limit the scope of your copyright. Uh, and in the case of social media, what they do is um, they allow, they, you know, they're essentially contracts between you and the social media company or platform that allow them to reuse your content. But it's important for, for people to understand that, you know, this doesn't override existing copyright laws. So when you sign these contracts and, you know, in essence, we've all signed them because the contracts basically say, you know, by continuing to use Instagram, you agree to these terms of use. So the very fact that you ever have made an account means that you agree to abide by what Instagram's terms of use say. Um, and so what Instagram does for itself, and it, it accomplishes two purposes. The one is you're, you, need these, you, you need this to happen for Instagram to even exist, is Instagram grants for itself a license to the content of every single person whose photos are shared to the Instagram app. And if you think about it, you know, how else would Instagram be able to actually post or, or reproduce your content, right? They need a license from you to do that. Um, it's a non-exclusive license and it's almost unlimited. So essentially Instagram can, you know, can reproduce your content in any way, which is why they can get away with compressing our photos so terribly. <laughs> um, and, you know, in the case of Instagram, uh, so like I said, this all sounds scary, right? Instagram has licensed all my content. Well, they don't really care to steal individual pieces of content. What they really care about is being allowed to repost things on their platform. Um, but what they have done for themselves is they've also given themselves a sub-licensable license, which is legally used term for basically the rights to then give other people the rights to your photo. Um, and so it's, you know, it, it, what it essentially means is that it, it's the whole reason why sort of like the, the real reason exists. And this is just my, my, my theory is because Instagram has an API. So it's basically, it's a way of, for, it's a way that allows people to essentially reproduce the Instagram sort of photos on Instagram directly on their websites without necessarily having to host those um, web photographs on the, their actual servers. So what they're doing is running their servers directly from Instagram. So I, that's, that's sort of the reason why Instagram gives itself that right. Um, but what Instagram has said is that, you know, if you, even if you use the API, and I'm going to quote something from Instagram because there was a recent case that you know where a, you know a third party had essentially reposted a, a very famous photographer's picture, um, but not like directly through Instagram. What they did was they essentially sort of ran the Instagram API. So what they were doing where it was reproducing into the Instagram page of the person on their website. So really, all they were doing was showing what Instagram was or already had. Um, but Instagram said this, you know. Our platform policies require third parties to have all necessary rights from applicable rights holders. 
This includes ensuring they have a license to share this content if a license is required by law. Um, and so, you know, what this means, and the word of Instagram isn't God, um, because, you know, who knows what, whether or not a court would agree with that. But what this means is that, you know, um, no, nobody can really repost your content into your work just because they saw it on your social media feed. Instagram still takes the position that they would need to get permission from you to do that. Um, and so I think it's safe to say that, like, really, you know, you, you break it all down, it comes down to this, right? If you post a photo, it's yours. If a third party wants to share that photo, including through the Instagram app or through the Instagram's, through Instagram's API, um, or really in any way, shape, or form, they need your permission. It doesn't quite work that way on social media, as, a, as, as we'll, we'll sort of get into. Um, but that's, that's the basics of, 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 of copyright in a nutshell and who owns what. Um, and it, it's, 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 it's unfortunate that sort of things have gotten a bit, little bit muddied. Um, but, you know, that's something that we can sort of discuss. And hopefully this helps sort of untangle things for, 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 um, for listeners. When we talk about um, permission, I want to ask a little bit about tagging. So it's, it's very common. Um, I'm sure everybody who uses Instagram has seen this before, where somebody has a photograph of a landmark or whatever it might be, and they, they try to, to tag um, similar accounts or accounts that would be interested in forwarding that, that sort of thing. So for example, if I take a photo of the CN Tower, I might tag BlogTO um, in the hopes that they will reshare it and, and my, my photo will be seen by so many more uh, people. So if I tag somebody in a photo, is that, um, is that me giving them permission to use it? It's a little, it, 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 it's a little, the answer, the, 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 the easy answer is no. Um, the, the difficult answer is it depends. It's a, it's a nuanced question. Uh, and so I think like it's, it's important. And I, personally, I frame, I, I frame this discussion about sort of, you know, uh, reposting as sort of credit versus consent, right? So like most often people will, will, will credit you, but the, the, the real answer is people, before anybody reposts anything, they need to get your consent. And so what that consent looks like can vary. Um, and so in the case of reposting where somebody has used a specific hashtag or has tagged you, you know, it becomes a little bit more muddy as to whether or not you actually have, they, you actually have consent. Um, because a lot of these sort of major, um, two things. One is a lot of major um, hashtags are tied to specific accounts. So for example, there's a hashtag called hashtag nothing is ordinary. And I love that hashtag because it, it, it sort of, it, it vibes very well with the kind of photographs that I take. And one day a photo of mine got reproduced, got, got, re, got shared. And I was like, I don't know who shared, who shared this photo. And it turned out that it actually isn't an, an Instagram account called nothing is ordinary. And they used that hashtag and they actually, I guess they were very new to Instagram. Um, that was back when, you know, they were, you know, hashtags were actually being new hashtag, hashtags were recreated. And so what they say on their web, on their, on their page is, you know, use the hashtag nothing is, nothing is ordinary to get featured. And so when I saw that, I thought to myself, well, you know, they didn't, they didn't actually ask me if I wanted to get featured, but I did use your hashtag. So maybe, so what it does is it sort of makes it a little bit harder for you to say to them, hey, you posted that picture without my consent. Because then they could say, well, we thought we had consent and we didn't mean to infringe on anybody's rights. You can take your picture down if you want. And a lot of times they, those kinds of, um, in those kinds of situations, 
you know, if you want to take them down, you can. Um, but then what it does is it makes it harder for you to, to say, you did this maliciously with intent to sort of deprive me of my livelihood, right? Let's say you're, you know, you're a real estate photographer and you, 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 you um, take a picture of a really beautiful building and you tag blog to in it. Um, if they repost, repost that picture, technically they might've committed infringement, but then they could say, well, you tagged us in it. And so we thought it was fine. Um, and then you may not, it may not be as easy for you to, to get any compensation down the line. And so that's why it's like, I'd say, you know, it's important, you know, um, permission can take very many forms as I'm sure you know, right? It's like, sometimes you could ask somebody say, hey, can I do this? And it can say yes. Or you could say, tell me I can't do this. And if they don't say anything, then maybe that's permission. I don't know. <laughs> so you mentioned um, consent versus credit, right? And so on a very like practical level, what, do, what does that look like? Because if, if I were to tag Blogtio, for, for instance, in a photo, um, I, I'm under the impression that I'm giving them consent to reuse it, provided that they say this is Kim's photo. So can you, can you um, maybe discuss a little bit of the nuance around that? Like, what do you mean by credit versus consent for, for reuse of a photo? Yeah, I think a lot of it's a lot of times people sort of have, you know, the impression has 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 arisen, and it, it's it's happened sort of slowly and gradually um, that it's only infringement if you reproduce the picture without credit than the person who took the picture. That's not really the answer. The answer is, and in Instagram's terms of use make it pretty clear that you verify that you have all of the rights to the pictures that you take. Or, or that you post. Uh, and so really in a perfect world, <laughs> and we live in the real world, unfortunately, but in a perfect world, before you, anybody reposted your picture, they would ask you and say, hey, Kim, um, and I'll give you, I'll use an example of, my, of myself, which is um, I took a really, I took a picture of, to me, it was a throwaway shot. I took a picture of a really beautiful sort of, uh, but kind of hole in the wall type um, place um, that really spoke to me and, and, you know, I posted it and then, you know, the, the owners of that place reached out to me and said, Hey, Andrew, we really like that picture. Uh, yes, you tagged us in that picture, but we want to use it on our Instagram page. And I said, yeah, absolutely. Please, please do on Instagram. Just tag me, just tag me in the picture, put me in, you know, in the at, at Andrew.kaikai, tag me, you know, maybe give me a shout out in the actual sort of caption you use. And I'll, I'm, I'm happy enough with that. And then they asked me then, you know, because that's, that's really what it's all about. It's, it's, it's a respect thing. Um, they asked me that, hey, we also want to use that photo on Twitter and Facebook and on our website. And I said, well, listen, I'm an Instagram photographer. I don't really have a Twitter page. I don't really have a Facebook page. I don't really want it to be on your website because this is something that's different. Um, and so I really wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. Um, but if you want, and I, would, I, I would feel much more comfortable if you gave me X dollars. And then that's, that's where the discussion came in, right? And so they were like, well, we're not really, we don't really have that much of a budget for this. How about only put on Twitter for this amount of money? And that's really what it came down to because for me, like I sort of use my photography sort of in two ways. One is to, to drive traffic to, to my actual sort of um, Instagram page itself. And so the value proposition for an Instagram shout out isn't, is, is pretty decent because I have, I have, I have a, um, I have a, uh, page through which I sell my photos. So if more people come to my page, 
more people might click on my on my actual sort of link to go buy my pictures. But posting my pictures on Facebook, no value in that for me because it's not going to drive them directly to my Instagram page or to my Facebook page. I don't have one. Same thing for Twitter. Same thing for your website. And so really, that's 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 really the answer. The answer is. It's not whether or not they give you credit as the actual taker of the picture, it's whether or not they actually got affirmative consent. Um, and in, in, my, in my world, especially if you're reposting a photo from a business, really you, you should be asking for consent and you're well within your rights um, you know, to, to say, hey, I don't, I don't, I'm not really happy with what you did, um, please don't do it anymore. And so I think the lesson, the bigger lesson here though, isn't really so much about um, you know, what to do when it happens, the real, the, it's more of an ounce of prevention being worth a pound of cure is be very careful about the hashtags you use. Sort of, I use what, are, what I call clean hashtags, which are hashtags that aren't really necessarily tied to any specific account. So Streets of Toronto, for example, has its own hashtag. Um, you know, Moodygrams, there's an actual page that, that actually sort of runs accounts, um, runs pictures and, and, and sort of repost things that use those hashtags. Just clean up your hashtags. Use hashtags that are relevant to your business. Um, use hashtags that sort of where you may not, by using those hashtags, be given implicit permission um, to a third party to reshare your content. Um, you know, click, also go through your tags, right? Who are you tagging in your pictures? Are these people who have a history of sharing pictures without sort of reaching out to you ahead of time? Those kinds of things. Uh, and so, like, I think as a you know, in, 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 as an IP lawyer, my vision of, of what sort of Instagram could be is a place where people actually ask for permission um, and they ask for, they, they get consent before they actually repost, whether or not they give you credit. Because if, if, if you ask for consent, you may not necessarily have to give credit. So if I gave you permission came to use my picture, I may say, I don't really care if you, tell, you say who took that picture, you can repost it if you want. If you gave me X dollars or if you gave me this instead, or if you gave me sort of something that makes it worth my, makes it worthwhile to me. And so that's where I think sort of the, that's sort of the, the way I think of, of, of things. And I think as a business, if you're a business person and if you're trying to become serious with your with using Instagram as a way of driving advertising, driving sales, I think you almost have to think that way. You can't sort of think purely sort of the way a hobbyist photographer would think, which is I need more eyeballs on my, on my pictures. I want more likes. I want more shares. I want more, I want more follows. No, it's like what drives my business. For sure. And I think, you know, that for a, a, someone who has a business or using this platform as a business, the concern would not be so much, you know, a large feature account um, reposting your photo, hopefully with credit tagging you in it, because I mean, the, the, part of the, the name of the game really of using social media is getting your reach and is getting your name out there in the hopes that someone will come across your product or your service or whatever it may be and it's of interest to them and, and that's how you sort of generate customers. I suppose the, um, the concern or the problem really is when um, you have an image that is taken by somebody who hasn't um, got the appropriate consent and has not tagged you in it. And so if um, you come across an image of your own or property of your own that's been used without credit, without consent, what are some of the things that you can do um, to address that situation? And, and to use your example, prevent rather than have to, to cure it? Yeah, um, so we're, we're talking about, I guess, like a case where somebody just, you know, essentially just rips you off. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. 
that's 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 pretty much it. Like, it, not, the, it, it does, and it, it's it's it it can drive you bonkers. Um, and you know the there's 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 two levels to it. Like, I'll I'll go with what I'll go with the cure part first, and then we'll talk about prevention. So cure um, is you know if it's a the big feature accounts are all sort of they've been in the game for a long time. Reach out to them and say, hey guys, take my picture down. They'll often do it. But you know a rinky dink account that makes a living off stealing people's content and re reproducing it as their own may not necessarily have be that inclined. So what you can do and what Instagram does give you the option to do is sort of there's like a reporting tool for copyright and trademark infringement. And I use it as part of my job all the time. Um, we deal with these bad actors every day. Um, and so, you know, it, it works, it works quite well. You don't have to, you don't have to interact at all with, with the party that actually stole it. Just, Go onto their, you go onto their page, you can report an entire page as, as, as infringing your content, or you can import, report individual pictures. Um, and it's the Instagram tool, it, it works, it works well enough, I'd say for, for clear cut cases. And, and, and generally when that happens, the third, the other party won't, won't really fight it. Um, and, and so that's, that's, that's the easiest way to, to sort of, to, to, to deal with it. And, and I think, before we even sort of go down this whole path, like it's important for, for all the, everybody who's listening to understand that just because somebody infringes your, your work doesn't in any way diminish the rights that you have to it, right? It's like, if I came up to you and I took, and I took you know, your money, that doesn't make it less of your money. It just means I've stolen from you. And so, you know, it's, 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 it's important for everybody to re realize that, that like somebody stealing your work doesn't in any way diminish the value of that work or diminish the, the, the rights you have in it. What it, all it does is it, it, it makes it, you know, the question then becomes, what do I do about it? Um, you know, so like I said, in the case of, of these kinds of situations, you, you, you cannot ask them to take it down. If you're not comfortable doing that, you can use the Instagram reporting tool. And unless you're a famous, really, really famous sort of photographer, and your work has been stolen by a major commercial entity, I really wouldn't recommend going anything further than that. Um, there are options beyond that, but that's really, that often should be enough to get, to, to get it sort of, uh, um, to, to at least get it resolved. So that's, that's the cure part. And then we get into prevention, right? What can you do to make it harder for people to take your content without your permission, without your consent? Uh, and sort of diminish the value of it. Um, and so the, a couple of things, the, the biggest one is, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a catch 22 and, you know, is, is watermarks, right? Often we're photographers, we love our pictures. They look very beautiful. I love the sunset, the colors are amazing. Why am I gonna sully if I put a watermark on it? But I always think about it as sort of like, it's, 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 it almost becomes part of, the, it becomes a calling card. Essentially, you have a watermark that's unique to you in a way that's you know unobtrusive, but visible enough that somebody would have to crop it out, you know, consciously if they wanted to get the photo to look sort of clean, quote unquote. Um, so a nice watermark really helps, and I find that that has cut down quite a bit on on sort of reposts and reshares, um, at least reposts and reshares without consent, because the option always exists for, and this has happened to me in the past, is somebody sees your picture, it has a watermark on it. They really like the picture. They don't like the watermarks. And they, then it forces them to say, hey, Andrew, I really like your picture. Can you send me the original? And mm -hmm. then you post that. And so then what that does is it gives you, you're now in a position where you're negotiating about how you want your photo to get framed, how you want your picture to look. You know, 
and that's a much better place to be than sort of you know the alternative, which is your picture got reposted, you know, without you even sort of being told it was going to happen. So the watermark is a great is a great way to do it. Um, another good another good sort of um, technique is using um, like a copyright statement on your actual sort of picture. So like copyright, you know, Andrew Kaikai. You know, it can be similar to a watermark, but you know, the copyright statement gives a little bit more of an oomph of like, hey, I really do think this is mine. Don't take it. Um, so that's another option. Uh, a third and sort of um, more sort of not really a nuclear option, but a, a different sort of option is would be to have a copyright statement on your actual profile, which says basically, you know, copyright Andrew Kaikai, all rights reserved, please do not reproduce without permission and or consent. So all, these are all layers, right? And these are little things you add up. And what it does is it just gives, you know, nefarious third parties or innocent third parties, it gives them some pause, right? It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm somebody who's running around trying to reproduce pictures of, of things. I see it one with a big watermark with a big copyright statement. You know, is it really worth my trouble to crop it out now and like change it and, and, and make it smaller and now it's degraded and, and then it's not worth my time. And then I click on that person's profile and it says in bold, in bold you know, don't reproduce my photos without my consent. Um, so what that tells me is this person is A, you know, takes your work very seriously and B, you know, sees value in it. And so do I want to get entangled with them? Probably not. So I'll probably just move on to the next, the next target. Um, so that's, that's another option. And then another option that's like a little bit sort of a DIY option that's not specific to, it's not an IP solution necessarily or a copyright solution is, you know, reduce the, the quality of the pictures you post on Instagram. So a lot of times people, you know, Instagram compresses the hell out of those photos anyway. Um, but, you know, whether or not you post like the highest resolution possible photos on Instagram or your website or whatever social media you're using, um, you know, that makes a difference when somebody then goes to reshare or repost or share it, right? Um, you know, are they sharing the highest possible quality photograph that you have or are they sharing one that's been, you know, compressed already for, for the web. So for me, I always, you know, export two versions of everything I edit. One is a really low res version for Instagram and social media. And then one is a high res version that goes straight to my hard drives where these are the ones I sell to, to, to customers or people. Uh, and so all of these are just sort of layers that you can sort of take to make your work a little bit harder to, 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 to knock off. It makes, it makes third parties just think a little bit sort of more carefully of, is this worth my trouble? And often the answer for most people is no, um, it's not. And, and so like, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's important to realize that like the choice isn't between having your work stolen or not having your work shared at all. The choice is between having your work shared appropriately or having your work shared inappropriately. And then the, cho the choice really is up to you, right? You have the control over the work you create, especially if you're using it in a way that drives your business rather than being purely a vanity project or purely a hobby. You have the control at all times, right? And so if somebody sees your work and really likes it, they should be thinking, well, how do I get this person to allow me to share their, their work as opposed to how do I share the work and then they deal with what I just did after the fact. That makes so much sense. And it's, um, it's really an elegant solution because um, what you've done is you've created sort of a, um, a brand for yourself that's very clear that yes, your work is valued and it's important. However, it's still available if you, if you um, 
want to access it further, you can go about the most appropriate consent. But ultimately, it is um, you, you've you've sort of protected yourself with these very simple security measures. And I, I wonder if um, you know you you would arguably attract um, a higher quality of um, account that approaches you to to reshare because you're right. Some of the uh, the little rinky dink individual accounts that make their um, their living off of stealing photos would uh, wouldn't bother with you but perhaps a higher um, higher quality account would recognize that this is actually um, professional work and uh, and want to pursue it even more so I think that's a really really great um, little set, uh, set of tools that uh, that anyone can do and you presumably would have uh, a logo or a trademark anyway, and all of those those measures would would only help to further your brand. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. And like I, like I said, like it's it's you know it's it's unfortunate that sort of social media has, especially where it comes when it comes to photographs, um, has become sort of seen as the wild west. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's really not. It's you know the rules for who owns what are are quite quite clear. Um, and, and, you know, it's, 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 it's you know, nobody ever, you know, before, before the advent of social media, there was never any concern that photographers weren't able to get exposure for the work. They, they, they often did. Uh, and so, you know, like, and I think the, the point you made is, is a great one, which is that you want to, as if you're, if you're a business person and photography is a business to you, Instagram is a, is a business tool. You want to drive sort of to your account or to your page or your business and you, you want to you want to attract people who will provide value to you, um, and anybody who's not going to take anybody who isn't who's going to repost your work without even running it by you first, I guess that question of how much value that would be. You know, if you can have value, but you're you're, you're entirely right. In, in my case, I've had I've been fortunate enough to have people um, reach out to me, notwithstanding the fact that um, my work was hard to copy. Um, you know, reach out nevertheless and say, hey, we really like your picture. We'd like to use it in this way. What do you think? I guess it's easier for me because it says clearly on my on my profile, you know, lawyer. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> get entangled with with, with, with with an IP lawyer. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'd say everything I've said applies regardless of what kind of a photographer you are, regardless of what background you have. You want to set yourself up to be somebody who, you know, people look at it and think, well, I don't want to, I, I respect this person, pick these person, this person's photos, I respect the work they put into it. Um, I don't think it's worth my while just to take it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, you know, it's important to note as well that, um, you know, something you said before about, uh, you know, if you're having a business and, and um, you know, should, uh, using social media as a business tool, I think one of the things to recognize really about social media is that, um, the 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 currency is the currency of social media is reach um whether it's likes or you know engagement in that way um it, that that's neither here nor there but it, it really is getting your uh your brand um as visible as possible uh spread as far as possible and so it um it is important when somebody else takes your work and uses it to get their own likes uh, that's a lost opportunity for you as a business person. So, so it does bear thinking about, um, and uh, you may think, oh, it's just a photo. It doesn't matter if it's reshared, it's fine. But, but really, uh, if you do value your work and this is towards your, um, your livelihood and your business, you have to think of it in that way um, and speak the language of whatever the platform is that you're using.
Yeah, and a couple of things, a couple of sort of final, not final thoughts, but a couple of additional thoughts that I think I'll, I'll sort of mention is, one of them is if you're a business, depending on, depending on the nature of the business photography you do, you might also have agreements with, with your clients that you have to keep in mind. So if you're a wedding photographer and you, you know, in, in my case, a lot of times I actually will sort of sell the, the rights, all the rights in my photos to my clients. And so now the client owns all of, all of the rights. And then I'll say, hey, give me a license. I'm going to get a license from you to post this photo as part of my portfolio. And, and then if somebody then takes that picture and reshares it, you know, and I know about it and I do nothing about it, I could have an issue with the actual owner of this photograph, who is the client. And so it's important if you're a business person to keep that in mind, right? It's like in some cases, if there's a third party involved in, the, in either who has paid for those photos, photos rather, or who uh, in some way actually owns those photos, you might actually have an obligation to do something about it. So it's, it's important to not overlook that aspect because Instagram, of course, and social media, it's like you're getting more reach, people love your photos, but you know, you may, you may, you may have an agreement with a third party that makes it so that you probably shouldn't have those photos shared too, too widely. Um, so that's, that's one. And the second one I'd say is, you know, not to, not to give anybody homework today. That's not why I'm here. Um, <laughs> But read, <laughs> read the terms of use of these of these of these uh, social media sites. Sometimes you might actually, you, you know, I, I learned something when I read it, and I, and I you know, I, I read these things for a living. Um, but it's 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 actually quite intriguing types of permissions you might actually might give. Instagram is 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 one, but I know you know Visco and Flickr have different terms of use, which in some cases are broader than Instagrams, and in some cases are narrower than Instagrams. And so, you know, depending on what type of, of photographer you are, what type of business you're running, you might be better off served off with one account, one social media platform versus another. But that's a discuss, that's a decision you have to make, you know, weighing the pros and cons of, of the terms of use versus the reach and what, what whatever else you can get out of it. But I, I'd, I'd recommend everybody, and they're, they, they've gotten much better. These, these terms of use used to be very complex and convoluted. And they were written by people who didn't want you to understand what they meant. Um, it's gotten a little bit better. It's still difficult to understand, but they're a little bit in, in plainer language now. And so you can actually read them. I recommend, I, I, I sort of suggest reading them and come, come into your own decision about whether or not you feel comfortable doing it, uh, continue to use those platforms. At the very least, you'll be doing it with your eyes wide open. And you won't get sort of blindsided the way a lot of, you know, professional and sort of amateur photographers have been when their work has been reshared on Instagram. And they realize that they may not necessarily always have the ability to do anything about it the way they thought they did. Can I just ask, what's, um, if you uh, register a trademark or a copyright, what are the steps involved uh, for doing that? Two questions there. Um, like one is harder than the other. Uh, so we'll start with the easy one first. Um, you can register copyright quite quite easily. Um, it, it's not it's it's not too too complex. There's um, uh, in Canada and the U.S. And I won't speak for other jurisdictions because I don't have direct knowledge with them. But in Canada and the U.S., you can sort of go on to this, there's government websites where you can essentially sort of um, register your copyright. And I'll I think I've I think I've said this. I said this earlier, but you don't need to register your copyright to actually get um, the registration isn't what gives you the rights. All the registration does is make it easier for you to enforce your rights. 
So, um, you know, in the case of copyright, a registration basically works as proof that you own the work. So imagine you're a photographer, you take and you post a picture on Instagram. Um, if, 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 or actually better example, imagine if, like, if, if you came up to me, Kim and said, Andrew, I think you stole my work. Um, you know, I have a problem with it. The very first thing I would do as a defendant in that case is say, well, prove to me that you own the work. <laughs> and so you do that, it gets, it gets, it gets, it actually gets tricky. Like, how do I prove that I own that picture? I could go to my actual, like, I got to go to Photoshop and show you the actual thing and say, I edited it. I got to tell you what, so it, it actually gets much more complicated than you would think. But what the registration does is shortcut all of that. I, I registered, I went to the government website, I registered my copyright and I put a date stamp on it. And so that works as proof that I have a copyright in this particular picture. So easy peasy. Um, and so that's, that's, the, that's really the value of registration of copyright. It doesn't give you extra rights. All it does is make it, makes it easier for you to enforce that right. So that's the easy answer, copyright. Trademark, a little bit harder because trademarks are a bit more expensive to, to file for um, and they require sort of they have a bit more, they have a, they have a few more requirements. Um, you actually have to be sort of have some sort of business that you're actually using the trademark in association with. Um, but the process is actually roughly the same is there's a government website that you go to, you file for the trademark. You know, in the case of trademarks, I would actually recommend not doing it yourself. Whereas copyright registrations, it's, po it's possible. It's actually, it's actually easy to do by yourself. Whereas a trademark registration, um, that process is a little bit more complicated. And I'd really recommend sort of talking to a trademark attorney or trademark agent um, before you did that. But, you know, theoretically it can be done by themselves. You just literally go to the government websites, fill out the forms and, and it, should, it, 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 it theoretically, theoretically is possible. I'd recommend one, I wouldn't recommend the other. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, so, I mean, a thought's just come to mind. I mean, as we're talking about these creative endeavors that we all have, and we've used, you know, photography as the example, but it could be writing music or poetry like you've done and, and other things like that. When you have a creative outlet, we sort of study these and we share these, whether it's on Instagram or social media or whatever other platform um, we choose to use and whatever platform we choose to pursue to further our own interest in our hobbies. And so when you're, when you're looking at, um, for example, a photographer who has a very specific style or a very specific um, sort of brand of um, composition or colors or what have you, and you know, you're inspired by that person and you decide to recreate something that that person has done. You're not necessarily stealing the artifact, the specific thing that they've created, but you've borrowed from them. And so I'm just wondering, like, at what point um, does innovation or learning um, come into play versus um, directly sort of taking somebody else's idea? And is there anything that you can do to, to protect yourself in that case? That's a, that's a really great question, Kim. And this is, this is the kind of question that sort of, I get paid to think of these things at work. Um, but I'll give it to you guys for free. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but I, I, and I'd say it's like, it's, 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 it often, it, it's copyright is deceptively simple. But it's so, it's often in these kinds of situations that it gets simply deceptive. 
Um, so the, the, the answer to that is, you know, it's, 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 it's important to distinguish between plagiarism and copyright infringement. Um, so one can be the other, they can, be, they can coexist or they can be entirely different. You can have something that's plagiarism without necessarily being copyright infringement. And you can also have copyright infringement that doesn't actually plagiarize. Um, so and, and I'll sort of take a step back and sort of use an example that is a little bit easier to understand. So let's say I wrote a book um, about um, you know, a boy who was an or orphan who then becomes a king. You know, I think King Arthur. <laughs> Uh, that th there's that kind of story, right? And I, let's say I, let's say I wrote King Arthur about a boy who was poor who then becomes a king, and then you took that you 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 saw that story, you thought, man, that is a great story. I'm going to write something exactly like that. It's going to have the exact same sort of premise: a boy who becomes a king. And let's say you then write Robin Hood, right? Two different stories, same idea, right? It's like someone who was once poor who then becomes ruler. Um, but two very different manifestations of that idea. So that's what copyright, copyright protects, not the ideas, but the actual sort of expression of those ideas. So, you know, if I, if let's, let's say, you know, you went to a nice sunflower field on a, on a, on a beautiful day and you captured the sunset um, and you then went home, edited the, those photos and had it look a specific kind of way, that's your calling card. And then I, Andrew, go to the same field that you went to, the very same sort of time of day that you did, took my own picture, went home, looked so close at everything you did, copied exactly the way you did it, but I did all the work myself. What I might've done is plagiarism. I might've sort of, you know, borrowed a little bit too much from, from your, been inspired a little bit too much from you. But what I haven't done is actually reproduce the work that you did because I did it all myself. Um, and, and so in that case, you know, I have my own copyright in it and you have your own copyright in it. What I haven't done is actually stolen anything is infringed your copyright. And so it often gets, in the case of photography, it's, it's quite difficult because um, unlike say, you know, music or writing, right? Like it's, 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 it's difficult to actually, um, it's not difficult, it's possible to copy somebody's style without actually copying them. Right. Whereas when I'm writing a book, I might sort of borrow, lift words from that person's actual story. But when you're taking a picture, you have to actually go there, take the picture yourself, edit the photos yourself. So what you haven't done is copied exactly what they've done. You might have copied inspiration. You might have been inspired by it, but you haven't actually taken that final step of reproducing their work, like the actual physical work that they did. And mm -hmm. so that's 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 often the um, you know it's 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 the it's what's called like independent creation. So independent creation isn't considered to be copyright infringement. So if I, if I was on a desert island, I had no idea, you know, that you were around. Um, and I managed while I was there to write a book that was exactly like yours, without mm -hmm. coming into contact with a book that you had written. Um, and it just happened to have the exact same words, everything was the same, but I can say, hey, I was on a desert island, I had no internet, no access to Kim's work. Nothing at all about this is in any way tied to Kim. Copyright protects both of us. And that's why I say it's deceptively simple and simply deceptive. It's so interesting. It's so interesting. Thank you very much.
Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation. <laughs> I, I hope you have. Um, and uh, yeah, I've, I've uh, learned a lot. And um, I don't know if you have any other final thoughts or, or advice that, um, that you'd want to leave us with before um, we, we go and reflect on this. I do. Uh, it wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be a, I wouldn't be a good, uh, like I said, for me, it's like social media and social media, you know, creative pursuits, law are like three of my biggest sort of, um, uh, three things that I, I really love. And I, I'm very, they're big passions of mine. Um, and so, you know, you know, if, if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're trying to use social media, to move a creative pursuit forward or to then use creative pursuit as part of like, you know, building a business, it's really important to sort of set yourself up for success. Um, and I think I've already said this, but really read carefully sort of the agreements you actually have with these, with these social media sites, right? Like, and, and, and understand for yourself, you know, what is it that I actually want to get out of it? Am I getting it out of it on this particular platform? Um, and I'd say that like, it's, it's also important if you're, you know, the, the final thing I'll say is, is I think I, I said it before that the fact that somebody steals your work doesn't diminish the value of that. But what does diminish the value of your work is if somebody steals it, you know it and you do nothing about it. Um, that can diminish the value of your work slowly and then all at once. Uh, and so if you're somebody who knows and you're, 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 you're able to find information about people taking work, you know, taking your content, resharing, reposting it, and it's all without your permission. Um, in essence, you could slowly start to diminish the protection that you actually have in your work by doing nothing about it. Uh, it's one thing to not know, but to know and do nothing and can often be worse than than than, than knowing than than, than not knowing. Um, and so that's that's the final sort of takeaway I'll, I'll I'll leave you guys with, which is, you know, you don't have to you don't have to go out there and sort of scour the internet every single day looking for examples of people who've stolen your pictures. Um, but on Instagram, as we all know, it comes to your attention quite easily. It's, 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 not, it's not a complex thing. So when you do see it, if you're unhappy with it, um, you almost to protect your work. And if your work truly has value to you and you think one day I intend to monetize either this photo or the business that this photo is a part of, you have not an obligation, but you just something to think about, which is, by not doing this, protecting this now, whether it's just sending a quick email saying, hey, I don't like that you took that photo, um, put that photo on your website or on your social media page. By not doing that, will it make it harder for me then down the line to tell another person to stop doing it? Mm -hmm. And that's, that often is like, is, 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 is often the, the thing is, you know, you, often, you, you live by the social media, you die by the social media, right? You know, blog TO does it, you do nothing about it. How much leverage do you then have to stop another smaller party that has, say, only four thousand followers? Right? It's like it's a death. It can become a bit of a death by a thousand cuts. Um, the easiest way to protect your work on 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 anything, the easiest way to protect all of your work is to never share it publicly at all. But that's not really an option for a lot of people. And so right. what you can what you can do is balance it. Is have a balance between protecting your work by being vigilant about getting people who you don't want to share your work to take stop sharing it um, while also like having a system in place to give permission to those people who you do want to share your work to easily get be able to get permission from you to do it 
Yeah, that, that's exactly um, exactly the, the summation of this. I think that's that's the message to get across. Like it's this is not meant to be sort of a scary thing or to deter anybody from using the the social media um, platforms that are available to us. But just to, as you say, be diligent and vigilant and um, and really take pride in your work and treat it as uh, as though it is of value to you, um, because it's not easy to, to go out and take pictures. And if you have a natural talent for it. Um, that is something for sure that should be respected just as much as, um, uh, you know, another profession. The Instagram community, at least the, the, the contacts that I have on Instagram are really very good with this as well. And that's something that you can do. You can leverage the people that you know in the community that you're connected to. Um, I've had multiple times um, people contact me to say, hey, I recognize this photo. This is yours. And um, it's posted on this account. Did you know about it? And I think that, you know, we could all do that a little bit more as well if we come across it um, and help each other out in that way. Because the social media, it really is, um, is that it's about connecting with people and it's about um, putting out a message and a brand that, um, that reflects yourself. And um, with that, I want to say thank you so much again, uh, Andrew, for joining us and all of this great advice and, and uh, insights that you've, you've um, very kindly provided us with today. Thanks a lot for having me, Kim. This has been uh, this has been a dream come true, actually. I've always wanted to be on a podcast. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. So, <laughs> I, I genuinely look forward to um, uh, connecting with you again and uh, seeing more of your photos for sure. Awesome. Thanks. And there you have it. That was our segment on protecting your intellectual property if you have a creative endeavor. We certainly hope that the information and tools provided in this episode will be helpful to you. If this has resonated, and if this applies to you, then I'd like to take a moment to wish you the very best of luck with your new business. Thank you so very much for listening, and I hope you'll join me again in Kim's Kitchen.